Welcome to the Sports Epreneur Podcast, the podcast where sports and entrepreneurship collide, a Source production. In this episode, John Priori chats with Chip Maxson, general manager of the Sacramento Rivercats, AAA affiliate of the San Francisco Giants. We discuss mentoring the city of Sacramento and leading a baseball organization. Chip was the 2019 Pacific Coast League Executive of the Year, and he led the Rivercats to the 2019 AAA National Championship. John spent time with Chip at Sutter Health Park, the stadium the Rivercats call home. Let's welcome Chip Maxson to the Sports Epreneur Podcast. This episode exists because of CadSource. CadSource is your content team. You know how many business leaders need help communicating their story? That's what we do. Content strategy, creation, and distribution for business leaders. This provides opportunities, relationships, and a platform for you and your business. Why do we do this? Because at CadSource, we exist to help you create and share amazing content. And yes, you should have a podcast. We'll help you. Learn more by visiting kezcontent.com. The city of Sacramento is very interesting to me. I can't really put my finger around it, honestly. Like you go here and you see a park. Or you go over here and you see a, a new shopping center that's coming up. Like they're really trying to improve the overall feel of Sacramento. So like, first off, what initially drew you to Sacramento? You know, it, it's, it's funny. This will be, I think, my 17th season in minor league baseball. And the fifth team that I've, that I've worked for. So when I look back at some of the early days... 2001, I think was my first internship when I was in college. Sacramento had started in 2000 and, and it was just, man, this team is awesome in, in Sacramento. And then I remember a few years later, I was, I was finishing graduate school at, at Baylor and, and looking for opportunities. And I was doing another internship with the Memphis club. And there's a lot of animosity towards Sacramento, towards the Rivercats because of how good they were and, and that, that they were they were doing things so well. And, and Memphis was really good at that time and, and new ballpark at the same time as, as Sacramento, but just couldn't keep up. And so then I was in Texas and in Tennessee and then, and then Tacoma, Washington and, and Sacramento was always, you know, one of the, the top teams and being a Midwest kid, I always wanted to get out of the snow and, and find my way South and, and West. So I always thought that, Hey, California uh, would be a great place to, to be. And really up in, in Tacoma, I got to know the owners, the Savage family, the owners of the River Cats, uh, some of our league meetings. And I started seeing why the team was so successful, you know, having a, a, a family owned small business and, and how they want to be great at what they did, but they want to make a huge impact on the community. I started seeing some of that, that secret sauce and that intrigued me. And a year later, when, when I finally said, okay, let's go check out, you know, seriously, what, what's going on down there. My wife and I uh, flew down for an interview. She's a Northwest girl and thought there's no way she, she's leaving Seattle or, or Portland. We got down here and the sunshine and and the people it feels I don't know for me and, and forgive me for those of you that that are, are from South Southern California that may be listening but I had this LA thing in my mind about all of California I didn't realize Northern California is completely different and and just a gem of a place and a hidden secret uh, in, in Sacramento, it's completely different than San Francisco is as well. And so for us, we love the outdoors. You know, we love nice warm weather, sunshine. You know, and we're recording this and it's 73 degrees out, you know, at the end of February, just a beautiful day. We love hiking. We love, you know, the, the wine culture, the food culture around here. We're so close to Lake Tahoe. On my drive home in the evenings, I can see the snow-covered mountains. So it really is the best of everything. So that's a long answer, but it just gives you an idea of... of 
always knew that good things were going on on the business side in sports out here. And then when, when my wife and I came to experience it firsthand, man, we, we fell in love with the community, the people, and everything that the Sacramento has to offer. Yeah. And I think there's, there's something to be said about an organization like the river cats that come in, you guys are here in Sacramento and like you call yourselves a, was it a, a high profile small business? Yes. Yeah. And so that people have access to you access to the players. They can feel like they can get to know them before they may take the step to the next level before they, you know, really just develop more in their careers while still being successful and being in their backyard. What that community feel for you guys being in Sacramento in your eyes, what do you, what is the value and the impact that you're bringing to the city as the River Cats? Yeah, and, and John, if you don't mind, if I can go back and tell a little bit of my, my backstory. First of all, if, if, I, if I go back, I think my background, I think my upbringing is typical and, and, and I've learned more. It's atypical and I, I need to share it. And hopefully by sharing it, I can inspire other people. But but when you when you hear it, you'll understand why community and giving back is, is so important for me and, and, and why I love minor league baseball so much. And so I go back to you. I grew up in a single parent family home on, on welfare. My mom came through a bad divorce and and wanted to pursue her her education. And, and so, you know, on a wing and a prayer and, and because of her faith, she she said, hey, I'm going to pick up and move her three small boys to Bourbonnet, Illinois, a small, small town about an hour south of Chicago, away from family. Uh, she didn't have a job. She'd been a, a, a stay-at-home mom. But again, she believed in education. So so she she took on school loans and, and debt so she can go to school during the day. And this is undergrad. This isn't this isn't a higher education. And then she was cleaning toilets at night uh, in a warehouse to try and make ends meet. And so I think I was five years old at that time when we moved from Ohio to a small town, Illinois. And being the youngest of three boys, I never had anything new. It was all hand-me-down stuff. And, and oftentimes my shoes may be a size too big, but my, my brother had grown out of them, so I got them next. And, and it was really our, our church and, and teachers at school that did food drives for our family, did clothing drives. And they saw what, what my mom was trying to do, and they saw the need that my brothers and, and I had. And so at, at that point, he just, just realized anything, any opportunity to escape that situation was was great. And so sports was an outlet for my, my brothers and I, and I ended up playing sports and having success in sports and was able to play baseball at a small private school, Olivet Nazarene University, uh, and, and such a blessing. And, and if you fast forward, my mom completed her degree. She got the school. She started working there at Olivet. They paid for her master's and her doctorate. And now our family has nine degrees for the price of one. And my oldest brother's working on his second doctorate. So it'll probably be 10 degrees for that, that price of, of one. My mom has become the first woman vice president in that school's history. So it's a great story. But as, as I was finishing school, college, and trying to decide what I wanted to do, I knew I loved baseball. But I looked in the mirror and, and realized at 5'9", you know, 155 pounds, uh, my career was ending quickly. And I better, better figure out something else to, to do. And so I tried doing an internship. The Cubs and White Sox wanted interns in January because I was playing baseball. I couldn't start in, until May or June. And there was a, a single-A team, the Kane County Cougars, outside of Chicago that said, hey, we'll come up here. We'll, we'll put you to work. And so I started working in minor league baseball. And I saw the family-friendly, affordable opportunity. It provided people to have that escape that that my family was looking for when we grew up. I got to know the, the GM there pretty well. I would, I would ask him questions as, as often as I could and learn 
But his job, and I saw how he had a, he was able to impact the community through the platform that the team put him on. And, and that really intrigued me. And, and so when I, when I think about minor league baseball and the opportunity we have to impact our communities, to, to give back, to always have tickets more affordable than, than the movie theater, I, I love that because it resonates with, with me and, and how I grew up. And I want a young man, a young woman that, that was in my shoes growing up to be able to go to a ball game and have a good time. I want that single parent mom to be able to take her kids out. You know, maybe it's only once a year, but but that's that's an important opportunity for them to get together and spend that time together. And so that that just fuels, you know, what what I do. And and again back to the family that owns the River Cats, again, they've gone through trials as, as well. And, and Susan, our, our CEO, she lost her husband in 2009 and he told her, don't sell the team. You can do this. And so there, there's just, that's the beauty is, is there's, there's so, there's so many stories behind the people mm-hmm. running businesses and, and sports teams. And, and I'm trying to more and more, I'm trying to tell the story of, of, of the Savage family and, and the way I grew up. Again, try to inspire others and, and to help move people in this community to to share their story and do more. No, I love that. And there's there's the one thing that resonates is you're sitting in your chair, right? Or you're out at the ballpark and you can see it at night. And you may see this young boy walking around the stadium and you know, maybe he got in, maybe a family friend yeah. had a ticket or he had he scraped together ten dollars he could be in your shoes one day. And that's at the end of the day, that's the most impactful thing. If you can go out and you can give this kid the time of his life for one night, even like that's going to impact the rest of his life. Like he goes to the ballpark. He doesn't have to think about whether it's bullies at school, whether it's people making fun of what he's wearing, whether it's, you know, they don't have food for dinner. Like they, you're at the game, you're watching the ballpark and you're going to love it. And now he could be inspired and say, you know, I want to do this for the rest of my life. So is that really what fuels you? It really, that's certainly a piece of it. Right. I'd be lying at times if I said I wasn't selfish and had some own uh, career motives, you of know, it, it's, it's fun doing what we do, but, but to your point in the end, it is about the people. Mm-hmm. And when I'm asked about the best and, and worst parts of my job, the best parts are seeing the people come here with big visions, big goals, just like I did. Mm-hmm. And then to see them achieve those goals and, and, Maybe it's being promoted here, yeah. or maybe it's we help them to go somewhere else where they've got a great opportunity. Yeah. We don't want to hold them back. The worst part is is when people don't achieve those those goals for one reason or or another. And they leave here maybe disappointed and and or maybe we ask them to leave. And and that's the reality is as well. But that's that's certainly the worst part. But the highlights, to your point, I, I love it. I, I'm thinking through. I've had schools, high schools ask me to come speak to some of their at-risk kids. I love it. I love sharing my story with them. I love to try and inspire them because I see so many of them with hope in their eyes. And again, if I can keep that hope going, if, if I can help them come up with a vision for their life, mm-hmm. then that's awesome. And, yeah. and I'm going to be excited about that. Yeah. Our chaplain does a good job every year. He'll work with some at-risk kids. And we've, we've had enough conversations where he'll bring three or four groups out and I'll talk to them. But then we also know some of the players who may have a similar story and give them the opportunity to share their stories with, with these young men and, and young women as, as well. So that, that truly is a, a driving force and very fulfilling part of the job. No, that's good. I want to get into your business accomplishments yeah. on that in a second, but there's one thing that goes into what we've been saying and that's the players, yeah. which you haven't gotten into. So you can impact the fans, you can impact everyone else, but the the true, like another true aspect of it is impacting the players' lives. We, you are giving them this platform to be seen by thousands of people nationwide and take that next step to get to the major league, to get to the San Francisco Giants. Yeah. Maybe there's a blockage, so you trade them and he can still get up there. Like you're impacting these players' lives. And that's 
something that goes doesn't go unnoticed, but like you think of it as a baseball player has everything great or but most of them come from bad backgrounds. Mm-hmm. A lot of them come from other countries, the Dominican, anywhere else to where coming in Sacramento and playing for you guys is an incredible step. And now you have this platform to where you want to see them go to the majors. Yeah, It's an accomplishment for you. It may be bad because you're losing your star player, but you have to let go because at the end of the day, like that's the end goal for all of these guys. What is it like? with a player you have Mm -hmm. an incredible prospect he's killing it for you guys and then you have to let him go is it bittersweet like you see him go to the giants the next week is it like a bittersweet feeling because you lost your guy but he's in the majors so it's like yeah yeah it's it's certainly bittersweet but again we we know our role and and we know the the giants are their job is to put the best team on the field as possible and we know that that means that our role here is to provide a great facility for these players to work out to provide an environment where they are comfortable and and they're able to learn and grow as, as best they they can and so minor league baseball is so interesting because we're we're separate organization we're not owned by the san francisco giants they make all the decisions on on the players and we just try and provide the best experience possible while while they're here we try to get to know them as as young men and, and find out to your point, what they're interested in, what their goals are, how can we help them? We try and work with our coaching staff to understand what they're trying to accomplish, what they're trying to do, and, and so we can help them as as much as possible. And, and in the end, the player doesn't want to be here in Sacramento. They, they want to be in, in San Francisco. And so that, that dynamic is interesting. But along the way, you, you get to know these players. And, and last year, we won the, the AAA National Championship, the first team in, in history to win three uh, national championships. So that was an awesome awesome ride. And we got to know those guys. And so it is bittersweet when, when they get called up and, and, but then you want to celebrate with them because that's a lifetime goal. And if I look back, I mean, the eight year old, my eight year old self really wanted to play in the big leagues. Heck my, my 40 year old self still wants to play in the big leagues. So you remember that and you want to celebrate with, with those guys and, and been blessed enough to keep in contact with, with some of them. Or if we go over to a, a giants game, connect with some of them before or after the game and, and just see how, how things are going. And, and check in with them because there certainly is that that human side that that drives and motivates all of us. Yeah, of course. And then the like, that other aspect to it is being in the minors. There is more of a shuffle than the majors. So especially around trade season. Yeah. So when trade season comes, I'm sure it's crazy. Like from the inside, what is it like during trade season? It's busy. It's frantic. <laughs> There's a lot of anxiety. It's it's stressful. And and again, the players know it too. And and they know they may not be here. And they're talking with their agents, trying to figure out what's the best situation for them. They're trying to have conversations. I, I I do love it about the San Francisco Giants. They try and be very transparent with with their players. And even last year, when they went through a, a, a transition at the top on the baseball operations side, a new model came in. And we had 321 transactions, more than 100, 100 more transactions than we had the year before. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it just meant uh, a pitch would get called up for a spot start or, or just to fill out a role. But then he was being sent back down two days later. That's tough to deal with. You wanna, you, everybody wants to go up and they want to stick. So when you're not sure what's going to happen with trades and free agency, you're not sure how you fit into the team's bigger vision. And then you're used to one way and then a new regime comes in and now you're moving back and forth. That was tough last year. And and we had more than 85 guys come through Sacramento. And so again, our goal, how do we get to know them? How do we make them Mm -hmm. comfortable? Uh, But I also remember times where, you know, a guy was up and he got sent back down and just having conversations with him about, Hey man, like what, what does this mean? How are you doing? And again, just, 
just try and be real and let them be real and authentic yeah. back. So that, that's, that's, that's a big piece of it. Yeah. And how do you guys impact the mental side of the game? Because going through trade season, going up and down, being in a whole different yeah. city, if you've never been there, it's hard for a baseball player to stay mentally yeah. intact because baseball itself is a mental game. If you're not there mentally, you're not hitting, you're not fielding well, you're making errors. Like for you guys, is that something you focus on staying on top of? Yeah, we, we think about that. Yeah. Uh, and I think the Giants do a good job as well. So every year, the Giants will have all their affiliates meet at winter meetings. And so we can talk and communicate and we get to know each other. And so that way, when a guy gets called up from, from AA, Parney, the AA GM, he'll give me a call or he'll shoot me a text and, and be like, hey, great guy, here's a couple things. And so that way, when the guy comes up, I know a little bit about him and I've got that connection. And I know the relationship he had with Parney and, and double A or Mark and single A San, hey, San Jose. We get a lot of their guys. And so the more we can communicate, the more comfortable we can make the player feel Be like, Hey, I know you, I got you. You're going to be good here. We can laugh and joke with them. That's a huge part of it. Even in the clubhouse, we try and keep some continuity with whether it's it's uh, paint on the walls or carpeting that they see from spring training, single A, double A, triple A, you know, all the way to San Francisco. So some of those small things. And then here we try and keep it loose. And, and again, it was funny. We were we were close. We were close to. We were one game away from from a clinch in a playoff berth, and and we had I don't know ten or twelve games left in, in our season last year. And guys start to tighten up, you know, and, and, and we lost five in a row and, and doubt creeps in. And, and it was it was agonizing because when you're one game away, you've got to have champagne ready to celebrate. Yeah. You've got to have the plastic. So guys are walking by that oh in goodness. the clubhouse. And it's that, oh, man, they're getting tight because they see it and they're anticipating. And so I remember one morning I, I, I'm on my way in and. I call up uh, Daniel, who oversees our, our baseball operations, and I call our clubhouse guy. And I was like, look, enough. Like, we, we've got to break this up. we got to have some fun. And so we started talking, and we kept going back to Major League. And if you remember in, in that movie, they, they had a certain goal in the clubhouse. And every time they would win a game, they would take a piece off of this goal. I won't go into it too much, and, and I'll let, let the listeners remember that in, in Major League. But we took a similar approach. And just had some fun with with one of our, our pitching coaches, Steve Klein, called him and said, Kleiner, I'm going to have some fun at your expense. We got one game to go and, and we're going to take a, a major league approach to this and, and, and just be goofy. And so sure enough, when when the players came in the clubhouse and, and they see what, what we put up, this this funny picture of our pitching coach with one game left and, and they everybody started laughing and having a good time with it. And sure enough, and I remember I said, I know the rules of baseball. We're not supposed to talk about it. I said, guess what? We're talking about it. We're clinching tonight. Yeah. And I had our entire front office staff. I said, guys, stick around for the game. We're throwing a party. Meet me in the club. In the ninth inning, we're going to celebrate. We're going to have beers. And then, and then we're going to go down and, and celebrate with the team. So I broke all the baseball rules, but guess what? The guys were loose. They were cracking up. They, they had fun. We won the game. We, we clinched a playoff berth and it was a whole lot of fun celebrating with yeah, them. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And that's, that's a whole part of there's unwritten rules of baseball. Yeah. There's not, but you come in <laughs> you, and you do whatever it takes to get your team and get your guys loose. Maybe the baseball gods will get me this year. I don't know. But oh, we, we, we had to change something up. <laughs> yeah, no, that's it. Well, I mean, it worked out last year. You yeah. guys won it all. So that's cool. So getting back to you and your story, tell me about this. So you were an intern yeah, and then you got up to VP in three years. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was finishing uh, grad school at Baylor and to finish my degree, instead of writing a long paper, <laughs> I chose to do an internship. And so I started doing an internship with the Memphis Redbirds. And, and I remember at the end of that season, Dave Chase, their GM at the time said, Chip, what do you want to do? I said, Dave, I want to be a GM by the time I'm 35. I think I was 25 at that time. 
because I was, I was the old intern. Most of the, the kids were 21, 22 coming out of college. And so I was the old intern, but I set a specific goal. And, and Dave said, Chip, you can do it. I believe in you. And so one, I think it's important. Stop right there. It's important to have people believe in you and to tell you who you are. So often we look in a mirror and we see our faults and our screw ups and our doubts, but to have someone sit across the table from you, like, like Dave and, and him being the GM and, and looking me in the eye and say, Chip, you can do it. You, you're going to be successful. That was powerful and that was motivating. And so I went from there and I knew if I want to run a team, I need, I need to learn the revenue side. So I took a sales job and really fell in love. The Frisco Rough Riders are part of Mandalay Baseball and, and their, their approach to relationship sales and, and having a systematic way to go through it. I enjoyed it. I fell in love with it and, and had a lot of success. And so I was promoted quickly. And it had the opportunity to leave the Frisco Rough Riders. Some of the other folks there had, had left to start a new ownership group, bought the Tacoma Rainiers. And they were they were trying to build a new ballpark up there. And they asked me to, to go up and be a VP of, of ticket sales. I had a brother in Seattle, loved the idea of, of a new challenge, loved the idea of being a part of, of building a new ballpark. So I jumped at that opportunity. And, and so, yeah, I went from being an intern to a VP in, in less than three years. Let me say something here too. I worked my butt off. I think I was telling you before, I, I used to be pretty humble and I didn't want to say a lot, but but I think I think people need to hear that message. I missed weddings, friends, buddies that were that college buddies were getting married. I missed their weddings. I couldn't take vacation. I couldn't afford to take vacation. I I'd moved to Texas. My family was in Chicago. I was on my own. So I couldn't afford a lot of that. But I didn't want to take time off from work. I knew I knew I was put in a great spot. I knew I had great mentors around me extra time when, when John Spolster would come into town and, and speak, uh, and he was a president of Mandalay Baseball at that time, I asked to go with him. I didn't want another sales rep having that 30 minutes to an hour in the car with John Spolstra because I wanted to go do something else. That was my priority to be next to him to soak up as much as much knowledge as I could. And so I worked my tail off over that time. And, and I, I firmly believe the people, the mentors, they opened doors for me. But I also believe that the work that I put in and the reason that I prioritized learning and growing, reading, soaking up as much as I could from other people, that that got me to that opportunity to be to be a VP in three years. Yeah, no, that's interesting because I interned here at Cast Source going into my senior year of college. And the one thing that one of my professors stuck with me the whole time was take in as much as you can your first few years. Like ask questions, ask for feedback. Yeah. Any meeting we go in, I'd say, lay it on me. Like what did I do wrong? Like, did I yawn? Did I yeah. say something I shouldn't have said, like lay it on me. And now I'm going to take that and learn from that. Well, I make mistakes again. Of course, yeah. you probably made a ton of mistakes yes. on your way up there, but that's the only way you're going to learn and grow from that. And so do you now being where you're at here and you see, we have the sales team right behind our wall. Yeah. Do you instill this in them daily? Yeah, I, I certainly, to. I try to. Yeah. Yeah. yeah try. Yeah. Uh, Yoda would say do or do not. There is no try, but <laughs> yeah. Yoda, I'm trying. Yeah. It, it, it is something trying to instill in, in these young guys. And, and I really try and build a mentoring program here with, with our culture. I get it. I don't think it's new. People say millennials want to be promoted. Look, I wanted to be promoted quickly. I, I wanted to make more money, but I also learned the value of, of, of having a mentor and, and being open to feedback and, and criticism. And, and one of those guys that was a senior account executive in, in Frisco when I started, Matt Goodman, he was with the NBA for a while. Now he's with New York FC. And, and so I hope Goody listens to this and, and gives me a call because he'd be proud. He'd always, he was great at the Columbo tactic. And that's something that we learn in sales. You know, you're at a meeting and, and you can't overcome an objection. You're not sure. And, and you finish it up. And he'd always say, hey, flip it. 
be like, Hey, I'm the, I'm the young sales guy. Talk to me. How, how was I, how did I do any feedback and what, what couldn't I overcome? And I love that. And I still try and use that Columbo tactic today because I was a young, dumb sales guy. I was learning a lot. I'm still, when I think about the mentors and the people I look up to, they're more advanced in, in years. And so I want to ask them for feedback. How can I have done better? What can I learn from the process I'm going through? After this, I'll listen to this podcast. I'll have people critique me so that I can, I can learn. And, and I push that on our guys. We're human, right? We all make mistakes. We don't want to make the same one twice and we want to learn and we want to grow. Our, our marketing team, our director of marketing just left and, and we're looking to bring someone new on. And I sensed the fear in our marketing department. And I went to them and, and we sat down last week and we talked through the vision and our timeline and we're okay. And I reassured them. I said, Hey, it's okay to make mistakes. So that's how we grow. Right? You, you grow from failure. I, I was listening to something this morning it's like you think about you're working out, you go into the gym, you go to failure because that's how you adapt and you grow. And if you're never willing to push yourself, you're not going to get stronger. And so on our staff doing that and told our marketing team, let's evaluate. Let's take time to look back on what we did, evaluate it, be critical of ourselves, allow other people to be critical of us. And two, step two, learn. What can we learn from that? And then step three is improve, apply it and improve. And, and we all... We all want to do that. And, and here we try to have that, that safe environment where yeah, our young sales guys over here, uh, our marketing team, whoever it is, can, can be comfortable learning that way. That's incredible. I mean, because that's invaluable to everyone in there. Like You can't teach that anywhere else. Like You can't get your story anywhere at a corporate office, at somewhere else where you're just applying, doing tasks. You're getting that true mentorship and like you're the face of it. You're if you work hard, if you take in all this information, if you learn from people and you get feedback, you can be where I'm at. Yeah. Like, and that's there's nothing it's humble still saying that. Like it may not be sound like you're rubbing it off, like you're trying to impact their lives. And I love that. So that that other aspect of mm-hmm. yourself and what you're doing is education and networking. Yeah. So you're big in the community, you're big in giving back and like you mentioned with private schools or with churches in the areas or with other business schools. Why is that so important to you? Is it another aspect of you're just trying to touch as many lives as possible? Yeah, it it is so important. And as I said, it goes back to that people side. And and I love seeing people be successful. And and again, I look back at me as, as a young boy, as a young man with a whole lot of insecurities. Again, I never knew my father. And so... I needed people to believe in me, to invest in me, to give me opportunities so that I could start developing my self-confidence. And early on, it was baseball coaches and then uh, continued to be baseball coaches through college, but then some business professors and they believed in me. And then guys like like Brent Stellick, he was my boss in, in Frisco and, and he's on, gone on to have a, a great career in, in sports. John Davis, I uh, was just with him at National Sports Forum a couple weeks ago and John's with Kentucky, Kentucky Derby now and, and still inspires me maybe more than than anybody. Every time I get with him, he, he starts rattling off all of my successes and he'll introduce me and, and say how awesome I am. And I said, John, I'm, I, I don't need you. I, I'm trying to be a humble guy, you know, like, like, no, I failed a lot too along, along the way, but people like that invested in me. And so if I can be that to, to other people, certainly our, our staff here, I love it. It's one of those, one of those things. I think when we understand life is more than just the daily grind. The daily grind, it, it's, it's important. And, and I, enjoy, I enjoy that part of it as, as well. But we can invest in other people. There, there's so much reward and we can give back. There's so much reward in that. That Yeah, we, we try and do that here. And, and 
I'll, I'll add on to this, try and, and create that culture where, again, we partnership with William Jessup University, a, a small school just north of here, and want to give their students an opportunity to work with our marketing department. Hey, help us with our social engagement. Help us with, with our email engagement and, and our segmentation. I would have died for that experience when I was in college. Like That's, that's awesome. And so to give, give those students that exposure to our staff. And then I try and meet with them a couple times a year. And I started off telling them my story to hopefully maybe inspire them. And a couple of them have reached out to me. And I want to give time to those college students because somebody gave me that time. Yeah. And then certainly here with, with, with the Rivercast organization, we only have a limited amount of time. And so you can't be everything to, to everybody. Right. But I certainly do try and identify who are the leaders, yeah. who are people that... that or me mm-hmm. and who wants to learn and grow. And that's what I'm going to give some of that time to. Yeah, no, that's it. I mean, from what, what you're saying, what you've been through your whole life, there's community, there's giving back, and there's work ethic and there's yeah. mentorship. Yeah. And you're living by all those things from even from when you were younger to now it's, it's truly playing out, which is great to see. So now let's, let's end it with some river cats. Huh? Yeah. All right. So there's two things. One coming off a championship. Yeah. What do we have this season? Like, what are we looking forward it's, to? Uh, oh man, that's that's the that's the question everybody's asking me. I know, and, I'm and, sure. <laughs> and, and, and let me let me share this. It was great. September seventeenth, uh, twenty nineteen, just happened to be my fortieth birthday. That happened to be the day that we won the AAA National Championship, and I was recognized as Pacific Coast League Executive of, of the Year. What a day! to cap an awesome year. I mean, that I'm never going to forget that day, right? And so in, internally, some of our, our staff, they'll, they'll joke, be like, it's all down from here, Chip. You, know, like, <laughs> like, you, you can't improve on, on that. Um, but, but no, it, it is exciting. Even, even this morning at, at the gym, some Giants fans come up to me and like, hey, man, we're excited about the Rivercats team. Secretly, I, I think there's a lot of excitement about our team, maybe a little more than the Giants this year. You know, I mean, we, we hope they have a great team, but everybody knows they've been busy stocking the cupboards. They've taken that step back. And I don't know if, if uh, they've come out and said it's a rebuilding year, but everybody expects that. Right. And, and, you know, we, we've seen the Astros, the Cubs, the Red Sox had to do that for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, the Yankees, even for a couple of years, took a step back and, and now they're, they're competing. And so the Giants are, are doing that, but they've got a lot of talent coming up. And so when we, when we look at a roster, there is some excitement about the play on, on the field. Brundy, Tiny, our, our coaching staff, Holbert. We've got our, a lot of our coaching staff coming back. So should be a lot of continuity. Yeah, We're excited to go down to spring training in a couple of weeks, see the team, meet with the coaches, connect with the Giants, get a better idea of, of what we're going to have. So there's certainly a, a lot of anticipation going into this season. Yeah, that's incredible. When you're going into it with... Obviously, you have your idea of what your roster is going to look yeah. like. You have your bubble players who may make the Giants, who may not. You have your bubble players who may make double A, not going to triple A. From a marketing standpoint, how does it work not exactly knowing who your roster, like who your roster is going to be? Yeah, it's uh, it's a challenge. For the minor league side, we always take the approach of let's let's talk about the community. Mm-hmm. Um, we've done a lot of that today. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about our mascot and 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 really focus there on the fun and the entertainment. Yeah. So that way, no matter what players we have, no matter if we're winning national championships or not, we're going to promote the fun, the entertainment. I mean, in the end, look, minor league baseball is escape from reality that we talked about. Uh, if we can be safe, clean fun and family friendly, affordable, people are going to continue to come out. The the telling story on that is while NFL, NBA, MLB attendance has declined, Mm -hmm. 
last year, minor league baseball as a whole was the only league, was the only sports organization that had a growing attendance. But tell something, yeah. you know, it, it says it's more than in TV. It's about the fun and the entertainment. Yeah. So from marketing perspective, we love it when we, you know, if we get a Joey Bard or Elliot Ramos this year, we want to promote those guys as, yeah, yeah. hey, see them here first. Yep. But in the end, you know, it's always going to be about the join the fun, you know, come be a part of what we're doing here at, yeah. at, at the newly named Sutter Health Park. Yeah, well, that's it. So I know you have taken, since you've come to this organization, major steps to improve fan engagement yeah. and to take it to the next level. And I saw actually you guys just continued on another element in fan engagement. What do you bring and what are you looking to improve? If someone comes to a game, they're not just watching the game. Yeah. Like I'm bringing my kids and I want to go have them take some BP or I want to have them run the bases or whatever that is. What do you bring to the table with that? Yeah, I, I love, I, one of the reasons I love the River Cats, going back to it starts at the top. And Susan Savage, I mentioned her, our, our CEO, majority owner. For many years, she was the wife of a sports executive and she was raising two boys and they loved going to, to ball games. But she was the one taking her sons to games. And, and so cleanliness, as a mom, she wanted to make sure the facility was clean. She didn't want her young boys running around in a, in a dirty, messy place. That's where safety comes in too. As a mom, she wants to make sure she feels that her boys are safe when, when they're at a, a, at a facility. But she also understands the game may be a backdrop. It's about that family time connecting together. It's about a mom taking a breather while her kids can go play on, on the playground or, or mom and dad can enjoy a cold beverage and they know their kids are, are having a good time rolling down the, the grass berm. So it's about, it's about those moments. And, and so that's what we, we try and do here. And that's a piece of, of fan engagement. I think sports teams can lose. We focus on digital so much right now. We focus on social, which don't get me wrong. It's important. We're coming out with a community first social social campaign where we don't want to be social narcissists, always talking about the river cats. We want to talk about the community. We want to boast about the high school baseball teams that are playing here. We want to boast about our nonprofit, our benefiting partner of the night program so that, that we're continuing to send the message of other people that are doing great things in, in this community. But we want to engage fans while they're here. It's whether it's new video board that we put in. I brought up Susan's approach because she continues to build out our kids' play area. And a couple of years ago, instead of charging for it, we said, let's make it free. Back to that you know, affordable, family-friendly entertainment. My mom wouldn't have been able to afford to pay extra for my brothers and I to go play on, on the bounce house. Well, guess what? Let's eliminate that barrier right. because those kids are the future fans. Yeah. And, and we're heading into our, our, our 20th first season. We started in 2000. We have young fans and now have young families. Young fans in 2000 now have young families they're bringing out in 2020. And so what a treat for that that new generation to experience Rivercats baseball here at Sutter Health Park. It's awesome. So that, yeah, that, that's incredible. certainly an important piece of community and engagement. Yeah, that's incredible. So, I mean, I love what you have going on as a whole with the Rivercats organization. And I... I'm sure knowing that you guys are top of the league yeah. and attendance and value and everything that the fans recognize that too. So your efforts are going a long way. So, I mean, I hope everyone listening to this checks out a game this season or even watches online. Or, or two games. Two games, whatever, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> get some season tickets, whatever. But uh, in, in closing, I just want to say you're doing a great job from what I've seen so far. And Thank I you. look forward to watching more of the Rivercats. Is there anything else you want to end it to with with the fans? 
Yes. <laughs> we love the fans and the fans are what makes sports possible. And you see things happening throughout sports. And, and I love how athletes have tried to engage in social responsibility. That has been taken different ways by, by different people. You know, right now with, uh, as, as we're having this conversation, there, there's still a little bit of a, of a black eye around the Astros and what's going on. And, and, you know, just coming off of Hall of Fame inductions, the PED stuff. There, there are things that can distract sports and distract sports operators and, and leaders. And so I just want to thank the fans for their continued support because it reminds me why we're here and why we're doing this. It's a reminder not to get sidetracked. It's a reminder to do that fan engagement, to, to think about that mom and, and her family, that the mom and dad. I, I love hearing stories about people that, that met first date was a Rivercats games. And, and that's something I want the fans to hear me say. We, our January all-staff meeting, we had 10 or 12 of us stand up and share stories of how we impact our community and we can impact lives of people that come out here. And I had Susan start and share, you know, about what the Rivercats mean to her family and with her husband passing. And, and now it's something she can pass on to her sons. And, and there's always a place for, for their family here. And, and that's powerful. But then we started sharing the stories that fans have shared with us about how we've impacted their lives. And maybe it's through tragedy or tough times or celebrations of, of meeting here. And, and I was able this off season had a family send me pictures of their brand new baby. And there's a great story there and this baby in river cats gear. And they wanted me to see that and thank me for time I spent with them this year. And so to the fans, we hear it. We understand that we want to make that our priority. We want to get past the noise and, and focus on, on the fun that, uh, that everybody wants when they come out here. That's incredible. So, all right, let's end it. How can people connect with you and the Rivercats? Yeah, rivercats.com is our website. That is, that's probably the best place to find all the information. We're on Facebook, heavy on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter is as well. I've been thinking more about this. I'm not as active as I probably should be on social media. I'm trying to do more on LinkedIn to, to really build up the great employees that we have here, trying to celebrate our employee accomplishments. A week or two was National Women in Sports Day. And, and so wanted to highlight the, the great women, the leaders that we have here within the Rivercats organization. So uh, you can give me a follow at, on LinkedIn. I'll, I'll try and do more there. And then I love hearing from people. Cmaxon at rivercats.com. Shoot me an email and, and I try and get back to people as much as I can. Perfect. Well, thanks, Jeff. Yeah, thank you. One of my favorite things about our Sportsypreneur content platform is the opportunity to chat with amazing people in and around the world of sports. We hope you enjoyed the conversation. If you want to connect more, hit us up on Instagram at sportsepreneur. Thank you for listening to this CadSource production, the Sports Epreneur podcast, the podcast where sports and entrepreneurship collide. Mm-hmm.